Good morning, Risen King family. This is our last online-only worship service. Next Sunday, we get to welcome you back home to an environment that is safe, fun, spacious, and spectacular. So I want you to make plans to be with us here at our church's campus at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. Children's ministry will be available only at our 11 a.m. service until phase two of our reopening. And as it's state law, we want to encourage you to bring a mask and wear it properly. So on your chin, not wearing it properly. Covering your mouth and not covering your nose is not wearing it properly. So over your mouth, over your nose. And bring that with you. But if you forget one, don't worry. We have got you covered with masks at the church for you. Our sanctuary has been socially uh, distanced, so we're providing air hugs as a greeting as we're entering our sanctuary. And it will be a little bit different, but it will be home. We want to encourage you to review all of our guidelines and check us out at risenkingchurch.com forward slash welcome home. I'm also asking that you would consider increasing your giving this week as we continue to minister to our neighbors and our community and also have the unique aspect of having in-person gatherings and our online gatherings. So I want to encourage you, go to risenkingchurch.com right now forward slash give, kingchurch.com forward slash give or mail in your giving. Thank you so much for loving your church family during the season and supporting your church family during the season. You have no idea how much it is appreciated. Well, family, we did it. Today, we are landing the plane and finishing our teaching series in the book of 2 Corinthians. So we wrap up our teaching series in the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, the Apostle Paul, he, he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, a church that actually he was the one that began. And his second visit was, was a painful one as he went to this church some opposition arose. And so he wrote this letter to answer his opponents and to prepare the church for a third visit. And in the last chapter, he wraps up with a warning, an appeal, a prayer, a hope, and a blessing. Now, whenever we read the Bible, we should ask ourselves three questions. Number one, an observation. What, what does it say? Number two, interpretation. Well, what does it mean? And number three, an application. Well, what will I do with this text? So, so our observation, what does it say? Observation is when we gather facts. What, what kind of literature is it? Who's the author? Who's the recipient? What's the context? What's the setting? What's the purpose of this writing? Interpretation is determining meaning. There's only one correct interpretation, and that's what the author intended to communicate. So if I send you an email, the correct interpretation is not whatever you want it to mean. It's what I intended it to mean. And this is true of any kind of communication. What I mean might not be what you understood. When we read the Bible, we want to get the author's intended meaning. So these first two are closely related. Knowing what it says is essential 
and then understanding what it means. The third one, application. Application is what makes it personal to us. What is God saying to me, and how will I respond? What does God want me to know? What does God want me to believe? Or what does God want me to do? I always want to come away from reading the Bible with a sense that God is speaking to me. And here's what God is saying. And here's what God wants me to do. So as we go through this chapter, we're going to be asking ourselves these questions. And I hope you leave here today with something that God is going to speak to your life. Second Corinthians chapter 13, he says this, first several verses, this will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I won't spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others. Since you're demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, He's not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with you. So Paul starts off with a warning. He, he's coming to visit them for this third time. He already warned them during his second visit. And now he's telling them, hey, I'm not going to spare those who, who, after I warn them, continue on in evil practices and continue on sinning. They were demanding proof that Jesus was speaking through Paul. They were demanding proof that he was a true apostle. That proof, Paul is saying, you, you want proof? It's going to come when I exercise authority, when I arrive. Now, now, we don't know what that looked like. Would it be some sort of church discipline like in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Would they be struck somehow as in Acts chapter 13 when someone opposed Paul for preaching the gospel? We don't know. All we know is that Paul warned them that he was coming in the power of Jesus and wouldn't spare anyone who was sinning. It kind of sounds a, li a little weird. Now through this whole letter, Paul has tried to appeal to the Corinthians. He, he's tried to reason with them. But here at the end, man, he just totally takes his glove off. He won't be weak. He's coming to them in the power of God. By God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with you. So here's my application to you today. Friends, we need to welcome warnings. There is value in a well-timed warning. A warning can give you a heads up. It can give you a wake-up call. It can save you lots of pain and trouble. So I want to encourage you to welcome warnings. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but has anybody ever flashed their high beams at you, warning you that there's a police officer with a, a radar right around the corner? Now, I'm always grateful for that warning, although I always drive the speed limit. Wink, wink. See, you appreciate it. You appreciate it because that warning might save you a ticket. It might save you an expense. See, a warning can save you lots of pain if you're going in the wrong direction. If you're doing the wrong thing, a warning can save you lots of trouble. But you need to be humble enough to welcome the warning and make the change. Have you ever warned somebody and they kind of just shrugged you off? Don't tell me what to do. 
If you love someone and you see them going in the wrong way, in the wrong direction, let me tell you, church, you warn them. And you, my friend, who have been warned, if you're wise, you listen to the warning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is useful for teaching and training. Now, we like that. We love that part. But it's also useful for rebuking and correcting, for warning. And we don't always like that. But if you're wise, you'll pay attention to the warning. I often say that. I'm always correcting back to Jesus. This is repentance. I get off a little or a lot, and God's word or loving friend speaks to me, and I I correct back to Jesus. In other words, I'm viewing somebody speaking to me and bringing some sort of warning as if Jesus himself were speaking it. So welcome warnings. Has God been trying to warn you lately? Pay attention. Paul gave them this warning and hopefully they welcome it. Verses 5 through 6. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course... You fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. So after this warning, there comes an appeal. He says, examine yourselves. The Corinthians had been busy examining Paul, testing Paul to see if he was genuine in his faith. Paul says, you need to examine yourselves, not me. And he suggests that if they examine themselves, they will have their answer about Paul. Are they in faith? Are are they Christians? If so, it's because Paul shared the gospel with them. See, they were Paul's letter of commendation. They were the result of Paul's ministry. They were the proof that Paul was a true apostle. He's telling them, hey, you want proof that I'm an apostle? Just, Just look in the mirror. Examine yourselves. Are you in Jesus? Are you a Christian? That's going to be your answer. Paul warned, but then he appealed. He preferred that they would examine themselves and come to the right conclusions, clean up their problems and their issues before he got there. In other words, Paul is telling them, hey, we can do this the hard way or the easy way. Let's do this the easy way. All you got to do is examine yourselves. Now, here's my application to you, church family. Examine yourself. The fruit of the gospel is changed lives. Has your life changed? Are you becoming a new person in Jesus? One of my favorite questions is, if you were on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? Does your life match up with what you profess and confess out of your mouth? Man, I know many people who are Christians in name only. They have just enough faith to be inoculated against the real thing. They claim to be Christians, but there is little to no evidence in their daily lives that they're following Jesus. James, Jesus' brother, says this in James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save them? Later on in verse 17, he says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without deeds, without action, is dead. Faith that is only talk 
and no action at all is not Christianity at all. It's not faith at all. Jesus said that we'd be able to recognize true and false prophets by their fruit. So examine yourself, examine your life. What is the fruit that your life has given even in this season? Because it's sometimes in this season of pressing when we really find out what we are made of. Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? If not, it's time to get serious about following Jesus. So examine yourself. So Paul gives them warning. He gives an appeal. And then, verse 7, he starts. He says, now we pray that God, to God, that you will not do anything wrong. Not so that people will see that, what, that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. Paul, Paul literally gives two prayers here. In verse 7, he says, we pray that you won't do anything that's wrong. We'll, we pray that you will do what is right. He's, he's praying that they'll do the right thing. He's saying, examine yourself, see that you're in Christ, and then repent of your opposition and your divisiveness. Now, now Paul is willing to kind of look like a failure here. He even, he even says this in Verse 7, though we may seem to have failed, it kind of reminds me uh, of the person who's willing to look like a fool for a good cause. You know, the CEO, or the pastor who gets dropped in a dunk tank to raise money for charity, the school principal who shaves their head to identify with a child who is sick in their school. Paul says, I'm, I'm willing to look weak. I'm willing to look like a failure. If that means that you're going to do the right thing and grow up. And that's his second prayer in verse 9. He says, our prayer is that you might be fully restored. The Greek word there means to be put in order, made complete, restored. For example, it, it, it was used of repairing fishing nets, restoring them to working condition. It can also mean maturity. Paul was saying that they would be fully restored to Christ and to him and would grow to be mature. Here's my application, church family. I pray for your maturity. I pray that you would grow to be all that God wants you to be. I pray that you would follow Jesus and be fully surrendered to the Lord in heart and become more like him. This was Paul's goal for the church at Corinth. This is God's goal for all of us. To the church in Ephesus, Paul wrote, he says this in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul wanted them to be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. That, that is Christian maturity, to become more like the God we worship. And Paul not only prayed for their maturity, but he worked towards it. This is the goal, my friends, to be fully mature in Christ, to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, to be all that God wants us to be in Jesus. This is my prayer for you. It is what we work towards here at Risen King Church. We don't want you to settle for mediocrity when you can have maturity, all the fullness of God.
Verse 10, he continues, he says, this is why I write these things. When I'm absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Now, Paul still holds out hope that they'll recognize his warning that he won't have to be harsh in using his authority. Whatever we had in mind with that warning, Paul hopes he don't have to go there. He still hopes that this church will repent, that this third visit will in fact be a joyful reunion and not a tense confrontation. So here's my application to you. God gives authority for building people up, for building you up, not for tearing it down. This is always how Paul used his authority as an apostle. It is how all Christian leaders are called to lead. God gives people authority to serve others, not themselves, to benefit others, not themselves. Jesus makes this clear, Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. He says, man, the Gentiles, the way they do, they lord it over. Their people when they lead them. And not so with you. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Authority is given to serve others, not lord it over them. Leadership is service. Peter wrote to ministers in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 to 3. He said, be shepherds over God's flock. That's under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. God gives authority to serve, not to boss, not to tear down, but to build up. And let me just share this with you, church family. The only authority that I have in your life is what you give me. And the only reason you should trust my spiritual authority is because you believe that I generally want to build you up and not tear you down. That is the goal of all godly authority. And I hope you feel that from all of the leaders here at Risen King. We want to build you up. We don't want to tear you down. Even in correction, we want to build you up. We don't want to tear you down. Verse 11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the love of God and the peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And all God's people here send their greetings. Paul finishes with some final encouragements. He says, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. And we, and we found out that that meant maturity. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And then he gives this beautiful blessing in verse 14. And if you want, you can repeat it after me. We could say it out loud. He says this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Friends, I want to pray. I want to pray something beautiful and special as you work out your faithfulness as a Christian. I want to pray that God would bless you. I want to pray that you would be one with Christ. I want to pray for you to grow in God. If you found that in this season, you have not grown. That I'm calling you 
This is the warning sign. Consider this God speaking to you. My friend, it is time to grow up. It is time to mature in Christ. We are living in dark days. We are living in the times when Jesus Christ himself could come at any point in time. And so I'm calling you to something greater, something special, something more profound. So would you join me in prayer today? May the love of God be with all of us. May you be rooted and established in God's love. May we together grasp the full dimension of God's love for us, the height, the depth, the length, the width of his love. And may you come to know his love, this love that surpasses knowledge, and to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. May the love of God be with us all. May the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Have you ever thought that the Holy Spirit wants friendship with you? What would it look like to live in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit wants to live in you, fill you, empower you, and fellowship with you. So Father, we pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That we would experience his presence and his power in our lives. That we would grow into all that you are calling us to be that you'd restore all things to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Starting next Sunday, my friends, we're going to start a new sermon series called The Promises of God. It's going to take us through the word and through claiming the promises of God for our lives, our family, and for our community. If you need prayer, I want to encourage you to check us out at risenkingchurch.com forward slash connect. If you're here for the first time, we encourage you to do likewise. I am totally looking forward to seeing all of you next week at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Look forward to seeing you. Don't forget... Bring your mask along with you. Until next time, stay connected.